You're listening to Nightlight. Yes, you're listening to Nightlight. So nice to be back with you for this latest edition. With me on the program is Peter Gare, who's speaking to us over Skype from New Zealand. Peter, it's so nice to have you on the program. Over the years, we've played your songs on the show, songs that you've written and produced. Recently, your wife, Kathy, was on the program sharing stories from the wonderful homestay ministry you both had there in New Zealand, and also the show that she did on healthy living. And she suggested I invite you onto Nightlight to share your testimony of how you overcame stress. And so here you are. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Thanks for having me, Simon. It's a privilege to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to to share my story. And I'll preface this to say that um, this is from my personal experience and my personal story. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I'm not a therapist. This is just something I experienced myself that came as quite a surprise, completely unexpected. And it was something that uh, I had to deal with because it was adversely affecting my health, my personality. It was affecting me both spiritually and and physically. And, you know, I'm sure you know enough about me to remember that I'm a pretty laid back sort of a person. And I don't really put myself into stressful situations because it's really not my makeup, my my personality. Very much a, a laid back sort of a guy. Yes, you are. So... As I said, this came as a huge surprise to me when I was diagnosed with clinical stress, when I finally went to see a doctor because I thought there were other issues. But as it turns out, I was diagnosed with stress. I'll go over my personal story to sort of build up to explain how this all came to be. Yes, good. We were living in Canada for many years, and both Kathy and I, my wife and I, were involved in the audio and video productions at an international school where all the studios were. So we were working uh, remotely at a distance and that worked for a while. But as time went on, we realized that it would be so much better to be there rather than where we were. And we had been in a situation where we were working with high powered, inspirational people, writers, editors, songwriters, scriptwriters, researchers. I mean, it was a very interesting and environment to be in for so many years. And we had formed a lot of very close friendships there as well, very strong bonds with with people that we had worked with during that time. And I'm talking about 15 years. So it was a a large portion of my early adult life and approaching middle age. So pulling out of that was a huge change for me, especially for Kathy, not so much. She's, She's very adaptable, very excitable, and it was very easy for her to make that transition. Yes. And she's, she's very, very friendly. I mean, I, I enjoy people. I enjoy meeting new people. And I'm not opposed to a challenge by any means. But um, this one was a huge one for me. And so we traveled from Canada to Japan. And it literally took me about two years to adjust to that new situation. Right. And that may sound like a long time, and I suppose it is. But I finally realized that, okay, I'm just going to have to really get into this and put my whole heart into it. I didn't want to sort of force the situation, so I just had to go at my own pace. And I started taking on different roles when I was there. I was a sound engineer. I had my own studio. 
And I was working a lot with, with the music and the video production as well. And then as time went on, I took on a management role and a business management role, taking care of the finances and also getting involved in the human resources side. And so that was somewhat new to me. I mean, the situation there uh, for me was a, a very needy situation in that where we had come from to this whole new situation in Japan, I, again, had to adjust a lot of things in order to connect with people. And I mean, again, I'm, I'm a pretty friendly person and I, I love people. I enjoy getting involved. I'm very much an action-taking person. Yes, you are. So the people that were involved in the audio and video production, also very high-powered, very inspirational, lots of things going on all the time, a lot of hours, a lot of hard work. It was fascinating. I just loved it. I learned a lot myself as a sound engineer, as a songwriter, as a person. Right. But as time went on, I started to realize that there were things that I, I wanted to, to help with beyond the scope of audio and video production. There were a lot of young people there who, how can I say, they were somewhat confused, maybe is the word or they were happy with their vocation, they were happy with helping with the audio and the video work, support staff and so on. But there was also an underlying counterculture is probably the best way to describe it. Okay. And there were several people there who understood what was going on with some of the young people and made an effort to connect with them. And so we kind of unitedly did our best to help support them emotionally. Being the children of missionaries didn't really have the same enthusiasm in that sort of lifestyle. Right. However, cooperative and very much involved in the work, that side of it was wonderful. But it was obvious that there was a need to try and help some of these people through to a more secular life, which is what they were interested in, a lot of them. That was kind of obvious. Yes. But there were members of the, of the management there that didn't really want to recognize that. The old school management did their best to try and maintain the old school methods of lifestyle, of training and spirituality, the level of devotion and so on. You can't really force that. Right. I felt that's what was happening. And again, this is my story from my perspective. Yes. I did my best to get involved and it was not always easy. I felt like along with other staff members and Kathy as well, we connected with a lot of the young people, like a lot of the children were quite needy. There were single mothers there. There were, there were kids there without their parents. There was all kinds of levels of need. Right. And we tried our best to provide the emotional support and stability that was needed in their lives. And look, just after a while, I started feeling a little bit of pressure. Let's not say stress at this point. I was feeling the pressure of them because I felt so dedicated to helping them. Yes. And also dedicated to the work, dedicated to my schedule and my responsibilities, the business side of things, the emotional side of things, my marriage, my friends, my commitments. All of these things just started to feel a little bit overwhelming for me. Right. I realized that sort of conflict was not healthy. For sure. I guess the fact that I started feeling a little bit disappointed or I felt that I wasn't really measuring up to the person I thought I was, you know, as a dedicated volunteer and, and missionary, you, you never expect yourself to 
fall prey to something like stress. Right. I did not yes. want to pay too much attention to that because it was something I felt I should be beyond that. I should be able to cope with that with my spirituality, my knowledge of the word, support from those around me. But that kind of condition was not really recognized in that environment and in that lifestyle as well. None of us really knew anything about stress or or even recognize it as being stress it was probably interpreted as the enemy is intervening and you need to read more or you need to apply more of the lord's principles in your life and these were things again that goes back to the disappointment i was starting to feel like why am i feeling this way when i have such faith and the dedication of of a christian and and the power of the word why was it that i was feeling this way right when i realized that there was a certain amount of rejection for what i was trying to do to bring about some sort of change in that counterculture i was referring to earlier that's when i took the burden upon myself to try and do my best to make sure that that was recognized somehow i don't think i need to get into too many details in regards to the operational side of that facility right but there was a lot of support and uh, there was plenty of staff was certainly not underfunded yes as time went on and as i took the responsibility of the business side of things i started to see there was waste going on maybe some mismanagement of funds due to the fact that look it was a huge production center there was a lot of costs involved and they were all covered and schedules were met deadlines were met and amazing tools were created in that facility there's no doubt about that it was a wonderful time for the result put it that way there were plenty of results once i started noticing hey you know look we could cut down on this or we could implement this strategy and that strategy to maybe have a bit more of a progressive way of looking at the future because less and less funding started to come through different projects moved to the US from Japan uh some of the young people moved to the US to take on different jobs so at this point we really had to make sure that we were working within our means yes yet some of the staff were still functioning on the well funded and the huge budgets that were there before once i realized that there were certain things that we could do financially every time i was given the opportunity to share my ideas I felt the resistance there and because we worked on a on a voting basis the principal was like a, a community meeting and we we did it all very diplomatically very democratically right. and it was on a voting system whether or not we were going to implement things it wasn't necessarily just an idea was presented by someone on on the administration team and then that was rule and that was it so that side of things was great but I started taking it personally Okay. This was also part of the the building of the the pressures that led to my diagnosis of stress. And Kathy, my lovely wife, we're very close, we communicate a lot, and we have a a, a wonderful marriage and our communication has always been fantastic. And she would often ask me, "Are you okay? I noticed that you're working longer hours, like I was working up to 16 hours a day. We had a lot of pressures for uh deadlines." because I was involved in the other aspects of the of the community there getting my studio commitments taken care of I had to work into the early hours of the night like 1 2 in the morning and then the next day I would be working with some of the younger people talking with them trying to encourage them and so juggling all these things was just too much 
At the time, I didn't acknowledge it. I didn't even realize what was happening. I started to experience pains in my chest and in my back, my lower back, massive headaches, which, I mean, seriously, Simon, I very rarely had headaches in my entire life. And so here I was experiencing not migraines. Thankfully, it wasn't as severe as that. But headaches to me, uh, I very rarely had them. So I started realizing that, okay, look, something's wrong. And my heart was hurting, like the, the muscles around my heart were constricting often. I was just feeling uncomfortable most of the time. The feelings of anxiety were overwhelming. Sometimes when I was sleeping and I would wake up, I would be at that level of tomorrow I've got to do this, I've got to take care of that, I've got to go and see so-and-so, we've got to pay this bill, we've got to fill out this report. That's two o'clock in the morning, just rolling over in bed. If I woke up, I'd be hit with all these thoughts, 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 and extreme thoughts of uh, busyness in the middle of the night, which of course isn't healthy for anyone. I wasn't relaxing, which again was very unusual because I'm a real sleeper. Once I realized that I was kind of losing control, I really had no one to talk to except my wife, Kathy. There was no one really I could explain, you know, I think, I think there's something wrong. Because again, going back to the work culture, the work ethic at the time, it was perfectly fine to be burning the candle at both ends and to be pushing hard. It was recognized as dedication and, and hard work and commended, really, if that makes any sense. Right. So I kept doing it, and the pains kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Gosh. Cutting a long story short without having to get into all this too much, I talked to a friend of ours who was a doctor, and he said, look, come on in and, and let me take a look. So I thought, of course, when you have pains in your heart, you have pains in your chest. My, my shoulder was getting numb sometimes. My legs would get numb. My lower back would feel a little bit numb. I mean, it was crazy. So I thought, well, I've got something serious going on here. There's some sort of ailment that I need to take care of. I was suspecting some other outcome, and not certainly not stress. I thought maybe I had a growth or I had cancer or Gosh. there was some other internal organ that was playing up on me. And I had no idea what was going to happen. So I went to see the doctor and his prognosis was, after x-rays and tests, he sat me down and he just said, look, you have chronic stress. And he was a doctor in Tokyo in Japan. He had spoken to many businessmen in Japan about stress. It was a chronic uh, epidemic, really, probably still is, amongst the Japanese business community. Stress is prevalent. And so he said, look, I see this all the time. You have clinical stress. And I was taken aback. It took my breath away. I'm sure. He said, look, there are prescriptions. You can take a look at this and just manage it yourself. Just be aware of the things that cause this type of stress change your lifestyle was his his bottom line first of all right he explained to me look just go home and make a list of all the things that you do that feel cause these feelings of of anxiety and stress so i did i made a long list of all the things that i noticed i had a notepad next to my computer and i would write down the different things that were making me feel that way and there were kind of early warning signs like for example holding my breath, holding my breath for very long periods of time and not realizing I was holding my breath. Sometimes Gosh. Kathy would come by and say, honey, what are you doing? Breathe. I'd look a little blue in the face and then I'd realize, oh my God, I'm holding my breath again. Or I would take my mouse and squeeze my mouse so hard that it would pop out of the seams. I used to look at my mouse wondering, gee, what's wrong with my mouse? 
why is it popping out of the scenes like that all the time? <laughs> gripping the steering wheel of the car when I was driving, really gripping it as tight as I could, only sleeping for five or six hours, working 16, 17-hour days, not good at all, grinding my teeth at night when I was sleeping, and even during the day sometimes grinding my teeth at my computer when I was working. Gosh. So these were things I didn't realize I was doing until I made a list of it. So I started to uh, do as much research as I could on self-healing. The verse came to me, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that verse became like the pillar of my, of my approach to dealing with stress. Switch off and switch on to Nightlight. When we started this conversation, I said that I'm not a therapist. This is, this is my story. And the healing side of it just came from my own research and, and my own battle with it because I didn't want to go the pharmaceutical route by any stretch. I wanted to deal with this myself and with those around me. Good. And I just found that there were things that I could do. And this became like an epiphany. I chose to take action and to learn to relax. For example, when you experience stress, it's just your nervous system. It's that fight or flight mechanism that kicks in. From what I've researched over the years, the more you experience stress, the more your brain gets used to it and the normal processes of taking care of it and dealing with it properly are lessened all the time and your brain sort of becomes deadened to it in a way. And that's when it begins to affect you physically. I mean, different people that I've met over the years, I've told this story to many, many people that I've met over the years, and they've experienced the exact same physical feelings of the, the compression around your chest, the tightening around your heart, the numbness in the arms and legs and so on. So the mind and body connection there were the things that I started to realize just from life in general. You know that your thoughts can affect your body and we've got to stay in tune and, and be practical and, and be positive in life in order to maintain happiness. So I was aware that these things would continue to wreak havoc on me if I didn't take care of it. So my research uh, showed me that I had to make a conscious effort to intervene and to cut off that negativity to make sure that my thought processes were focused enough to pay attention to those early warning signs like the holding of the breath, the gripping of the mouse, or or even the pains, like those early warning signs to me were those anxious feelings like that butterflies that you get in your stomach when you're feeling a little nervous or that feeling of adrenaline when you're just sitting there doing nothing, that it's your mind reacting to how you're feeling and how you're processing the thoughts in your head. And again, of course, I was praying. I was doing my best to keep peace with, with myself and with the Lord. And I came across what's called earthing or, or grounding therapy. I don't know if you've heard of this, but... No, I have. Actually, I do it every day. Uh, here in Uganda, Peter, the weather is always warm and beautiful. And every morning I sit outside with my bare feet right. on the lawn. I know what you're talking about. Oh, that's awesome. I do it every day too, rain or shine. We have a, a seat out on the porch the side of our house and it faces these two big cypress trees in the front lawn and I just sit there it's my special time and I have this process that I developed from reading different things and understanding look I'm not a meditator I'm not into meditation but I suppose it's a meditative sort of state I've always considered prayer like meditation to me right that's what meditation is to me is prayer and and connecting with the Lord and 
closing your eyes, doing some exercises. I do yoga exercises as well. Okay. Um, not necessarily that I'm into yoga either, but I do certain exercises that that stretch my muscles and get the blood flowing and so on. But yeah, I go out, I sit out on my bench, I take off my shoes, I sit there, and I have this process. I'll read it out to you because I thought it might be interesting to, to you and, and some of your listeners. But Yes, please. I start out with seven deep breaths. This is what I call my seven steps. I start out with seven deep breaths. I breathe in through the nose and breathe out through the mouth deeply seven times. Okay. And then... The next step, I identify six things that I can hear. And this is all, I do all of this with my eyes closed. I just close my eyes and I start counting six different things that I can hear. I can hear a sparrow. I can hear the ocean. You hear the breeze through the trees. I hear a leaf rolling on the ground. And as every day goes by, it's amazing how attuned to the things around you that you can hear if you just focus and dedicate some time to it. This process, it's just a wonderful start to the day for me. And the next thing I do, again, with my eyes closed, five things that I can smell. My eyes closed, I sometimes smell the sap from the cypress trees or I smell the damp grass if it's a rainy day or even if it's a hot day, you can often smell the hay from the farmers that are close by. So five things that I smell and then four things that I can feel. And again, it's amazing when those senses are tuned in, you can feel a slight breeze go across your face or you feel the warmth of the sun on your feet uh -huh. or you feel the warmth of the stones under your feet or the grass under your feet. The next one, three things to let go of. And what I do, I put them in my mind's eye on my shoulders. If there's a few things on my, on my heart, on my mind that I feel, okay, I just want those things to roll down my arms, go down to my hands and then to the ends of my fingers and I just flick them into the air to get rid of and throw it up to him, casting my burdens on him. And then I think of two people that I love, that I love dearly, not always the same people. I just think about them, I pray for them, wonder what they're doing, what country they're in, what sort of activities they're involved in. And then lastly, I just pray for someone that I hadn't prayed for in a long time. Think of someone that I haven't seen in a long time or maybe someone I don't even know and pray for them and then I am ready for the day. Of course, that's not counting the other times I, I spend reading or, or researching or praying. That's just the way I start my day. It's one of those mechanisms that really works for me and it gets me grounded. It's very moving. I find it very moving on a daily basis. By the time I'm done and I open my eyes, I feel a real state of clear. I feel like I'm ready to face anything. It's something I've been doing all these years now since I, I started experiencing uh, stress. And it has been just one of those extra steps that I take that helps me manage it. And it's always there, but not at the level that I was experiencing where the pain was. And when I say it's always there, now I recognize it very, very quickly in the early stages. And I know what to do. I'll just stop and pray, sit down, gather my thoughts, and then get rid of any feelings of stress and anxiety, and I can move on with the day. Bringing you peace in the midst of the storm. You're listening to Nightlight. Peter, do you want to explain a bit to our listeners about earthing or grounding? When I first heard about it, it seemed a bit 
you know, new agey, but actually there's a very real science behind it. It's a very real thing. It is a very real thing. It's it's not just from some wacky-backy uh, hippie from the mountains in California somewhere. This is uh, a proven science. And the people that sort of rediscovered it, I mean, I think some cultures are very much aware of grounding, like I believe the Indians are very much into grounding as part of their their culture, really, right. and quite possibly other cultures as well. I too did some research and I came across uh, grounding or earthing and I watched a, a, a movie about this man, Clint Ober, and he did a lot of research on this because he himself was suffering from, in fact, I think he had an accident and he had all kinds of damage to his internal organs, broken bones, collapsed lung. There was a long list of horrific injuries he experienced. And he went to different specialists and he tried all kinds of medications and he had a lot of different surgeries that were successful to a degree, but he still had a lot of pain. And so he he went to the library to look up because he'd heard about grounding, but there wasn't a whole lot of information about it. So he just started doing his own research. He discovered that there was actually evidence that it reduced inflammation. And the basis of grounding is to connect you with the earth, like with your bare feet, because shoes, they took away our connection to the poles, the pull of the earth yes. into our bodies. And especially in the 50s, when rubber and synthetic shoes were made, then it stopped our connection that we had usually even through leather shoes, you can still make um, that connection. That's right. But with, with synthetic shoes, you can't make that connection. So he did a lot of research and he found others that either did not believe him and wanted to disprove him. And he ended up proving to them that it actually had scientific factual evidence to prove that it would heal inflammation. People with chronic illnesses like even diabetes and cancer and back pains um, from women with their periods and so on would find relief. Other doctors experimented with their with their children who had colic. It's kind of a long story. It's a it's it's a it's a study in itself, but it's a fascinating science, and I personally have proved it to myself time and again. I do feel very relaxed once I'm grounding and going through that whole meditative or prayerful process, connecting with the with the earth. That there's definitely something to it. So easy to do. Yes, and I can personally testify to its benefits. And the good thing about it is it's free and it's simple and it's so easy to do you just have to sit outside with your feet on the ground what would you recommend peter as an optimum amount of time to do this i personally take about 15 minutes that gives me time to go through that whole seven steps process that i just talked about right a around 15 20 minutes it depends on who i'm thinking of or, or what i hear or what i feel or what i smell and so on uh <laughs> but yeah 15 minutes for me works now I'm not saying that because that's what the experts tell you to do, but there's one expert, I forget his name now, he was a, he's an MD and he's also a scientist, and he was asked that same question, well, how much grounding do you need to do for it to have an effect on your body, on your metabolism, on your organs and so on? And he said that instruments that they tried could not even detect how long, well, put it this way, he said that the instruments that they were using to detect how much he needed couldn't measure it quick enough because as soon as someone is connected to the earth, that grounding starts immediately, like it triggers in the brain almost instantaneously. Wow. And it brings your levels of focus and, 
and connection, which affects your brain and your thought patterns uh, instantaneously. So even if you had five minutes or 10 minutes, I'm sure 30 minutes is probably wonderful. I don't know if there's a recommended amount of time there could be, but I'm not aware of it. It's that disconnect that we had when we, we put our shoes on that, that kind of took us away from that natural connection that we're supposed to have. Like nature is something that we all love. Everyone loves to see the sunset or the sunrise. And yes. Listen to children laughing and playing. I mean, we all have childlike connection with nature, I think, just as we do with our, with our children or our loved ones. We all want to feel that. We all want to see that. We all want to touch it and taste it. It's just part of being a human. Absolutely. Having that connection for me had a huge impact on, on my life and my stress levels from the very get-go. Not that it was an overnight thing by any means, but once again, once I learned the early warning systems and I was putting these seven steps into practice... That's so cool. Is these seven steps something the Lord showed you or something you read about and then put into practice? Uh, yeah, I did, a, I did a little bit of research and I did find a similar kind of pattern, but it was more the, the meditative sort of thing. So I just adapted it to my own liking. That's what works for me. You know, we're, we're, we're electric. Our, our bodies are electric. There are things that go on in your body that, that need to connect. And if we're disconnected from that, then we don't have that opportunity to let those processes affect us. It's, it's a bit like birds that migrate. I mean, birds migrate sometimes thousands and thousands of kilometers across the globe to another location. And it's just phenomenal how these little things can do that. Yes. And they, they fly, a lot of them fly just above the ocean where those negative ions are. And so they're connecting with what gives them energy. That's why they can make those long flights. Wow. And I do a lot of surfing too. When I was in Japan and I realized I was suffering from stress, I thought, okay, I'm going to get back to the things that that I enjoy as far as exercising goes, and surfing was one of them for me. Right. And I got a lot of the young people involved. I was teaching some of the young guys and girls surfing. You exert, and you're out in nature, and I started feeling a whole lot better when I was doing it. And so that's something I continue doing now. I'm 63 years of age. Wow. And I, I still go surfing. I just I just love it. It's a, it's a passion for me. And if you've ever seen a surfer, they don't really walk to the water. Everybody just runs because they want that <laughs> charge. And People understand it, that surf. It sounds wonderful. Do you have good surf where you are? Oh, it's good. We have, we have great surf just down the road at the river mouth. Yeah, and not, not far from here, it's called the, the Taranaki Surf Highway. And there are, there are surf breaks all the way around the peninsula here. But we're fortunate enough to have a, a good surf break just down the road. They're very close by. Super. I'd highly recommend taking a look at the, uh, the Earthing movie, I think it's called, with uh, Clint Ober. And there's also a book that he wrote. I believe the title is called Earthing. For anyone who's interested, I highly recommend it. It's amazing natural resource that we have at our toe tips. Feeling all right while listening to Nightlight. Another wonderful way for me to relieve stress was to, I mean, this probably sounds like a no-brainer, but was to really connect with situations around me more than ever. I'm a songwriter. I love to get involved in, in writing about something that means something personal to me. Around 10 years ago, I had a bit of a relapse because we got involved 
Uh, being a trusting person, I trusted this investor. We followed his advice on, on a financial proposal and we trusted him. He was very kind. He was full of information about this particular opportunity. So we got involved. But long story short, the whole thing fell through and we lost a serious amount of money Sorry. that was irretrievable. And at that time, uh, we were investing in property. Kathy and I have had investment properties uh, for several years, and we were housing people in situations like single parents or low socioeconomic areas. We fixed the houses up to the best we could, and we, of course, had them as investments and with the intent to eventually sell as well. So the banks were a little bit concerned about this particular situation that we had with this investor and they were going to, without getting in too much detail, they wanted to take away and liquidate all of our assets, which was really a shame. We had spent so much starting from zero. We had put so much effort into uh, all these properties and the people that we were able to house over the years. So the banks had warned us that they would liquidate if we weren't able to come up with the money that we had lost in this investment. Gosh. So I, at that time, was, was running my own business and I met another businessman. He also was a property investor and I was helping him with some cabling and setting up a home entertainment system, audio system. He noticed that I was sort of um, dragging my feet a little bit and I stopped and told him, look, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so distracted by this situation that we found ourselves in and it looks like the banks are going to take all our properties. And I just leaned up against the wall and slid down the wall and sat on the floor. And he had some amazing advice. He said, essentially, we men, we're the providers, we have to take care of our families. And we take that responsibility very seriously. And when something goes wrong, it usually ends up being an extremely stressful situation. And with with my weakness with stress, in the past, it just sort of came back on me all over again. It was no small task to to get back up on, on my feet. Uh, it took a few months of just fighting again. And going through all these processes I've been talking about here. And then I realized, okay, I've got to, I've got to do this. And at the time there was a situation, I'm sort of going back to the songwriter comment I made earlier. I love to get involved in community issues. And at the time that this happened with the banks and the investor and so on, we heard of an incident that had happened. This little girl was, was killed by her. It's kind of a sad story, a drastically sad story. In fact, she was killed by her relatives through child abuse. I was just absolutely devastated by this story. That's terrible. So I wrote a song about it. It's called Nia Nia. And I had some friends produce it for me because I didn't have my studio. We had sold our studio equipment to young people when we first moved to New Zealand. We were going to continue recording, but we met a group of young people who wanted to start their own studio. So we, we gave it basically to them. So yeah, I passed on the details of, of the of the song to, to Michael, Michael Fogarty, and he, he produced the song. I'm not sure if you heard it because I'm, I don't think it's been released anywhere else except on YouTube. It's a song that, that really meant a lot to me to try and get involved, to try and put a positive spin on a very nasty situation. Nia, Nia, I'll never see you with the flower in your hair Nia, Nia, I'll never hear you singing lullabies at night You won't be learning about Milky Way Or watching the moon rise From far away No chasing rainbows 
in a field of green Walking down the aisle is only just a dream It's all been taken away It's all been taken away from you So these sort of activities are what pull me and keep me on the straight and narrow, so to speak. And music and writing is very important to me. It's where I draw a lot of inspiration from. Obviously, as a Christian, I'm trying to give all the time, trying to get involved in different projects. I find for myself, I need to push it a little further and go a little deeper. And essentially, that's to satisfy my desire for connection and creativity. 
And that makes me feel good. For sure. I think the Lord likes it when we try to change things that go in our minds. You know, like the verse, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And for me, that's a constant thing. I need to constantly remind myself of that renewing. Because if I don't go there, if I don't keep sort of pushing myself and forcing myself to focus, forcing myself to exercise and relax. It's funny, we don't have to force ourselves to get stressed out, but we have to force ourselves to relax. It's kind of a quandary there, but <laughs> right. that's what happens. I guess that's kind of human nature. I also found some fantastic information from, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Carrie Madej. She refers to, to stress quite a bit in her writings and, and in her videos very inspiring Christian doctor. She said, stress is a low energy and we're energetic beings of light. And love is a high energy, the highest energy that we know of, increasing our energy with connections to like-minded and high energy people, positive people. The Heart Math Institute studied the strongest organ in our body, which is the heart. And the heart's electromagnetic energy is a 100,000 times more energy than the human brain. Now, I never figured that the heart and its energy as a hundred thousand times more energy than the human brain. Wow. The brain's a very complex organ, but I think the heart is a very, very powerful, the heart and the soul can take us to places beyond our thoughts, beyond our brains. So these thoughts to me, again, are a constant reminder to me to connect with how you really feel inside and not let stressful thoughts take over normal happiness that we, we should be experiencing through daily life. Keeping our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Those overwhelming feelings can be overcome. I think to all the different people that I've shared my story with in the past in in fact, I recently met a man who was having the same kind of feelings and he went to the doctor, had all kinds of tests. They said, oh, we have no idea. Uh, your pains are not coming from your heart. They're not coming from any of your organs. Your blood tests are fine. And so when he told me that, I said, gee, let's sit down. I think I, think I have a story for you. And so I told him my story and he was just weeping and thanking me. He said, look, I can totally relate to what you're saying. It's incredible. Please tell me more. So we're in the process of of getting to know each other better, and I'm trying to do what I can to help support him. God bless you. Because he also does not want to go the pharmaceutical route and is more interested in the, the self-healing processes. So it's exciting for me to pass it on to people. And like I said, I have shared this story to many different people over the years. It's always bright when you're listening to Nightlight. Peter, besides earthing and thinking about those positive things, are there other things that you'd recommend to combat stress, like watching your diet, getting enough sleep, and so on? Most definitely. I mean, we live a very healthy lifestyle, and exercise and diet, very important, and certainly sleep. Yeah, definitely. At least eight hours of sleep a night. None of this five, six hours. You just can't do it. Some people say they can, and that's all they need, but you definitely need at least eight hours of sleep. Anything less than that, then it can be detrimental, most certainly. Yeah, diet. If you're on a, a fast food diet, then there will be consequences for sure, and you're not going to be able to, to have that level of health to help combat I think that was what really helped me to be able to get involved in the self-healing aspect of this was because I was living a healthy lifestyle. 
Also drinking, watching how much you drink. Alcohol can be very detrimental if you drink a lot. I did probably drink a little bit too much when I was in Japan, to be honest, and that contributed to it. Believe it or not, a bit of a drinking culture amongst some of the staff. I'm easily swayed when it comes to that. I came from a family of, of heavy drinkers, and unfortunately, that's something I have to stay pretty vigilant about, I have to watch my alcohol intake. So You drink moderately? Yeah, I just have a couple of wines on the weekend, and that's basically it. I don't drink during the week just enjoy a couple of wines over a meal on the weekend. Drinking too much coffee would also cause stress, right? Sure. For me personally, I don't drink coffee and I haven't since uh, 1989. I haven't had a cold or the flu since 1996. And I think that's got a lot to do with like drinking water. I know Kathy goes on a lot about drinking water, staying healthy, getting good exercise. Having a balance makes a huge difference on your mental stability and your ability to combat stress. You know, stress isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just when you are under a stressful situation for too long. Just referring to what I said earlier, your brain has a lessened ability to process all those electrons that are going on and it gets deadened to it. And that's when the levels of stress can rise drastically at that point. When you're kind of used to it, right. a stressful situation is not something you want to get used to. You want to combat it and do what you can to resolve it. I've heard, Peter, that EMF frequencies from 4 and now 5G waves can also cause stress, but also that earthing can also help against that. Earthing's a great detoxifier for sure. I mean, unfortunately, we're surrounded by microwaves and the internet and 4G and 5G and so on. I mean, thankfully, there's no 5G around here, but in some of the other bigger cities, there is. Absolutely. Earthing can certainly help weaken those forces on your body. That's why we don't use any Bluetooth devices. Like you see people walking around with the Bluetooth headphones for their phone. I mean, just baking their brains. Oh my goodness. I know. I, I would never use one of those if you gave me one. The fact that adrenaline uh, can be used for good and it can be used for evil, if we divert that adrenaline, if we divert those energies into positive things, then I think we can uh, keep ourselves away from stress. I mean, life can be stressful. Like I said, there are good stresses and bad stresses, but if you're challenged by the bad stresses, then there are ways to change that and to have an effect and change it to swing to the opposite side. Yes. If we create those habits that make things easier for us during the course of a day so that we're able to cope and we're supposed to be happy beings, we're supposed to be connective beings. So it's important to be able to take those steps and find out what it is that works for you find out what it is that you need to get rid of or what sort of changes you need to make to your lifestyle. And I think perhaps for any listener out there who's relating to this story here, if there's anything they can do to change, then great. But in some instances, I know people are kind of stuck in their job or they can't really change the hours that they do and so on, but they can change how it affects them, how it makes them feel. So you've got to try and find a way to break through. Don't let that affect you in a negative way, but more in a positive way. And uh, I hope some of the things that I shared help you to be able to achieve that because that's what I did and I have to do it every day. It's something that I continuously have to do. You learn to understand what those early warning signs are. Once you do that, I can defend myself. I feel those early warning things and then I'm prepared to defend and to take care and to stay positive and uplifted. And being around somebody like Kathy, my wife, that is a, an extremely big help. She is an absolute inspiration to me on a daily basis. I'm sure. And she's 
She's buzzing around all the time. She's always uplifted. She's extremely helpful. God bless <laughs> I her. I love her to bits. She's wonderful. She's one of my main solutions, that's for sure. Nightlight. What a delight. When I first started my internet marketing business, I met a lot of people transitioning from their corporate jobs to self-employment. And a lot of them are having difficulties with this new journey. So I felt drawn to write them a song. People were so grateful for it. And this song is called The Best in Life. Down in a gold mine with a lamp held in my hand. Looking for clues and signs to help me understand. As I look closer, I see some writing on the wall. The words have meaning, but just some they mean nothing at all. Diving for treasures down in the deep blue sea. Looking for jewels of old may lead to a discovery. Keep trying. 
Wow, great song, Peter. And so nice to hear a couple of songs of yours on the show that I've never heard before. I mean, both you and Kathy are such talented songwriters. You've written so many classics over the years. Music must still be a part of your life. We have a room dedicated to music. so, And we're always singing. Kathy's always singing when she's preparing food or walking down the street or taking a shower. She's always singing constantly if we have anything new we'll send your way please look forward to that sometimes we play at parties i mean it hasn't been a lot lately we kind of focused on wrapping up our investment properties we've sold them all now and we reached a a goal we had a specific goal when we came here to new zealand 15 years ago and we've now achieved that so it's made life a little easier and uh, we're in a position now where we can enjoy and we're quite active in the community we're very involved in the community we're always reaching out and helping out and so on before you go though tell us what happened with your properties did the bank take them no well we were what they call served with the documents for that to happen but we were able to restructure things it's kind of a complicated explanation but we were able to restructure things to protect us uh, because we had different business entities that we could take that money from and and to cover all those debts and everything so we were fine we were protected oh good and the bank was happy so we didn't lose all all our hard work and all those properties yeah (laughs) thankfully that would have been really stressful. <laughs> Nightlight. Nightlight. Well, it's been great talking to you, Simon. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm, uh, I'm not really much of a speaker. But I do a lot better when I write things down. No, this was great. Thanks so much, Peter. And lots of love to Kathy. I'm surprised you didn't come in, actually, and join in the interview. She's out there being quiet, um, which is really unusual. <laughs> I was surprised she didn't come in too. I asked her not to, but I was half expecting her to. Thank you so much. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. By the way, Peter wanted me to mention that his story stems from a chapter in Kathy's book, Look and Feel 10 Years Younger in the Next 10 Days. And you can search for Kathy Gare's book on Amazon, and it's really easy to find it there. Well, before we go, we do have one more contribution from Peter Gare to end off the show. I didn't know it, but Peter is also a poet. And he's recorded one of his poems, and here it is, and it goes along nicely with his testimony of overcoming stress, because it's very peaceful and meditative, and it's called Far Beyond. Far beyond the confines of this earthly realm lies what has been amongst us from the beginning of time. In that place, we come to express without words. It is deeper than the mind's eye. This virtuous place is our most secret place, a sacred part of our being that only we, the soul, recognize. No one can take you there. It has to be found. It is not lost, but it requires an effort beginning with the heart. The mind and body follow. It is not lonely there, it's peaceful and quiet, a still place. The lighting is perfect, the temperature ideal, there is no furniture. Nothing is required except your presence. There are no rules, there are no clocks, stresses are not known to exist there. There is no money, there is no need. 
There are no lacks. It is a gift. It is not wrapped nor marketed by cunning dialogue. This corner of life is discovered by those who seek and awaits those who know that seeking is of value. Clarity of mind and thought permeate every second of time when you are present. It takes nothing and gives everything. It leaves everything and everyone full. And there is no emptiness. Thoughts are like scenic views of most spectacular beauty. Events unfold like orchids opening to greet the light of day. Sounds are calming, and the volume of such is as a whisper, audible and delicately clear. Feelings there are never abrupt, they are even and unwavering. There is no cause for anguish, and there is nothing negative. All action is exhilarating and positively pure. Time is of no consequence. There is no sense of insecurity, but rather a full sense of absolute stability of mind, body, and soul. Each moment evokes joy that cannot be measured by worldly standards. No two moments are the same. The water is pure and pristine, and the air is perfectly temperate. Events unroll like waves to the shore. Goodness flows continuously from the fountain of abundance. Certainty prevails and imparts trust, love, hope, achievement, and a magnificent measure of fulfillment. This secret space is not seen but felt, and once felt, treasured forever. <laughs>